Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bath Edge Television, brought to you by our great friends at Ditchwitch. Outdoors Dan here and wanting to tell you that Bath Edge Television is on the WFN network, which I believe is the World Fishing Network, and is currently on the Wild TV network in Canada. But, you know, we'll be back at our home base on Versus starting in January of 2009. Aaron Martin's alongside, and this week I guess we get to check in with Davey Height. Davey Height, very long-term professional, 15 years in the making uh, under the BASS mold and looking very forward to having the opportunity to talk with him. Well, that's going to be exciting. We're going to also go into another Inside Ed segment for you folks. And you know what? We even got some other talking points to talk about this week that I think you're going to find extra special. Aaron, you ready to get into this? I am. Let's do it. All right, folks, it's all right here for you on the Ed. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that son of a gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hi, welcome to The Edge. It's Outdoors Dan Young, along with Mr. Aaron Martin, the host of Bass Edge Television. And I guess you're going to California with an aching in your heart. Oh, very good. Do you remember very that good. song? Uh, no, not so much. Do you really? <laughs> you don't remember that song? Who was the author? I can't remember that, who, who did it, but I rem- I'm going to California. I'm not going to sing. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a rock song, though. Okay. No, Go ahead. I, I probably would if I heard it, but you're not doing it justice in your melody that you're carrying. I, I told you, I am not singing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, I am. I am actually uh, in transit and uh, been driving for the last couple of days, so I am ready to get out of uh, out of the truck. And we start uh, start filming and fishing in the morning, so looking very forward to that. Well, when you get out there, you got to go have an In and Out Burger. How, now, how is it that you always know the eating establishments? And all I, you know what? I was in the military, man. I, you know, when you get transferred to different areas of the country, you get to know the better eating uh, places. There you go. Well, you know, see. and don't pick on me. And I'm, more, you know, just because I'm a little chunky. Oh right? no, 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 no. You and know? I, I never brought reference to anything about physical stature here. It was hey, just you know about... what though? I, at least I know I'm prepared. I can right. go any part of this country and know the better eating establishments. There you go. So. You go down south. You go to Sunny's Barbecue. You go in the Midwest. You go. And you hit any of the places that you and I like to go on the hill in, in St. Louis for Italian, and you go on the West Coast, you got an In-N-Out Burger, and you got the uh, Trattoria. So there you go. Of culinary delights, I will come your way from now on. Yeah, and so. you know what? They've got pumpkin seed dishes out there, too. So there you go. Perfect. Well, see, you know, see, that that's how you and I differ just a little bit, because you like to compare, you know, the difference between uh, on the eating, whereas I'm anxious to be able to kind of dive into, okay, what's the difference between how bass react out on the west versus in the east in the south and things like that. So. Well, you know, I know what you're going to be doing. You're going to be throwing those 14-inch rainbow trout <laughs> yeah. swim baits out there. I've got some of them with me, I can tell you that. But I'm also, uh, I'm not about to give up on, uh, you know, flipping the tulies and uh, also running some topwater hollow body frogs and some swimming frogs and things like that. I, I brought every piece of tackle I own because I cannot wait to latch into uh, one of these California bass. Well, I kind of envy you a little bit, because I tell you what, I didn't get to do much fishing when I was out there, but that's a tremendous fishery out in California. Oh, yeah, we're going to be on uh, Clear Lake. We start on Clear Lake in the morning, and then we uh, transfer over from there onto the Delta. Uh, have two of the top Western pros out here that I'll be spending some time with, and then once we move over to the Delta, 
Uh, also have an, another BASS veteran that'll be joining me out there. The only concern I guess I have a little bit is the fact that uh, you know the winds picked up a little bit, and uh, so we'll just see how it goes. And uh, Mike, well, you should you should be at home out there because they love drop shot now. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Man. But uh, I didn't come all the way to California to drop shot, so not that I'm not that I won't. But uh, the Delta and Clear Lake, I'm I'm just anxious to uh, stretch my string on, like you said, one of those swim baits. I want to I want to hear you catch one of these twenty pounders that I keep hearing about out there. <laughs> hey, if I do that, you'll be able to hear me all the way from California. <laughs> so. You know, I'm telling you, Clear Lake's got a reputation for some big stringers. Well, and, and from what I understand is that uh, the heck of it is, you know, when you're reeling those in and the fish follow it in, so you actually get to see the fish that you're not catching, which adds a whole other dimension uh, to, to your day of fishing. Yeah. Hey, you know, I understand that you're uh, you're taking some AGM batteries out there with you. Well, What's that Superstart thing, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, AGM, that's just the newest technology. And Superstart, we've been with Superstart uh, since Bass Edge. It's been around. And when you get into not only, you know, fishing as much as, as what I do, but then also if you think about it, you know, we've got two anglers. We've got, uh, obviously, a uh, another producer and, and camera person uh, that's joining us and then all their gear. And then in our camera boat, uh, you know, there's four people in that with all the gear and the and all the other stuff. You're using your trolling motor nonstop. It's very, very important that we don't have any type of breakdown. And, and AGM batteries under the that Superstart label has not let us down whatsoever. No, I actually use AGM technology on my rough and tough 4x4s for when we're filming on the hunting show. And you can't beat those AGM batteries. They're awesome. No, no. And, and you know, you made the best comment one time, I, I think I remember you saying, is that, you know, AGM just basically transfers into to zero maintenance. You know, you yeah, they're the idiot proof. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you I go. Say it like that. But. Well, no. Hey, listen. If it works for me, you know they're idiot proof. <laughs> so there you go. Absorb glass matte battery. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I know you run those in your rough and tough, and of course we run them in all of our legend boats. So uh, uh, works very well. Hey, anybody out there that's had a boat has got out there, got the boat off the trailer, and started heading down the cove. Flip down the trolling motor and no juice. Yeah. It's happened to everybody. Yeah, you know. So those AGM batteries and they. What is amazing to me, Aaron, is every time you you charge them, it just seems like the cycle gets better and better. Right. It's kind of like uh, they get better with age, like wine. Yeah. Yeah. You like yeah. that analogy? I I, I got you know California <laughs> okay. wine. Yeah. See Napa yeah. Valley. Just trying to keep the theme yeah, going. That's right. That's right. There you go. <laughs> All right, well, listen, it's time for us to go check in with Davey Height, and I'm sure he's got a little bit more information than we just did. Absolutely. So you ready to go? <laughs> Let's do it. Folks, we'll be right back with Davey Height right here on The Edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. Hello, and we are back on The Edge, and joining us 
for this week's Angler Spotlight is veteran BASS elite touring pro, and that is Mr. Davey Height. Davey, thanks so much for being part of the Edge. You bet. My pleasure to be here. Well, you know, Davey, uh, coming off of a, a good season, a great season, but even more so, you know, you're kind of one of the veterans in the sport. You know, I think you've been there uh, for about 15 years. You've amassed uh, a little bit over $1.6 million in earnings. And, uh, you know, the sport of fishing, you've had a good run. I really have, you know. This month, 15 years ago, August of 93, when I quit my job with the South Carolina Army National Guard and gave it my all to try to become a full-time professional fisherman. And to be quite honest with you, I was scared to death. <laughs> I thought, hey, I may only be out there for one year, but I had to give it a try. I just couldn't stand the thought of turning 50, 60, 70 years old and always wondering if I could have competed with the best of the best. Well, you know, David, you bring up a good point there because uh, in so many of, of anglers' eyes, you, you are living the dream, and, and I know that you're not one to, to take that lightly. Oh, I don't. I don't. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. I just got back from our last tournament, and, and immediately following that, they had the Junior World Championship with kids in two age groups uh, from 12 to 18. And, you know, it, it just amazed me seeing those kids, and it doesn't seem like all that long ago I had the same twinkle in my eye when I could just be around Denny Brower or someone in that category. And, uh, you know, it, it's just time has really flown by. It certainly doesn't seem like it was 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, 15 years ago I was dreaming to be able to participate in one classic, and I'm about to fish my 13th. Yeah, and, and congratulations there because that is a feat that, uh, you know, is, is certainly – a uh, surmountable process of of trying to get to and and held with much respect. You know, one of the things that I've always, I guess, respected you as an angler, and, and really one of the things that you note, kind of as your uh, one of your strengths, and that is the ability to come back, you know, under pressure. Whether you know you're in a tournament situation or just out fishing recreationally, it seems like you know you're you're never willing to give up until you know somebody somebody says it's it's time to quit or, or the gun goes off. Well, you know, I, I guess I owe my uh, high school coaches for really putting that in me and then also in the military, the drill sergeant. You know, what we do as we're growing up and coming through life, you know, it shapes us and molds us as the, the people that we are. And, you know, with my uh, sports background and me being in the military, you know, I was yelled at and screamed at an awful, awful lot to, to never quit, never give up, and always know that it's not over until it's over. And and I think that is such a great attitude, and we spend a lot of time, you know, through Bass Edge on the television show with Dr. Jay McNamara uh, talking about on the performance psychology side and where he goes into, and, and perhaps maybe you could even open the door a little bit further um, pertaining to, you know, for an angler who is trying to establish his or herself, you know, in the competitive fishing arena, maybe they're right now they're at the recreational level or, or even at the club level, you know, what advice can you offer, you know, that will help them work towards the quest and, and following the dream much like you did? Well, there's a, there's a lot of venues now, unlike when I was trying to become the best fisherman I could become at an early age. Basically, it was time on the water, and I still believe that's your best venue, but now with websites like you have yourself and video, DVDs, and, and all the seminars throughout the country that you have, you can learn a lot of other ways rather than time on the water. But I always say time on the water is really your best friend when, when trying to become a better angler. Well, you know, and I think that's a good point. And, and, and one of our favorite sayings, I guess, here at Bass Edge is, you know, we can tell you everything there is to know about fishing, but until you get out and actually experience it, you truly do not know fishing. Because there's, it seems like there's 
just something about experiencing and feeling it and making those decisions and having that satisfaction come back to you. That's very true, Aaron. And, you know, we all have our own personalities. You know, I'm a real good friends with Kevin Van Dam and his wife and kids, and, you know, we're, we're really close. But Kevin and I are different fishermen, and, and I listen and try to learn a lot from him and, and everyone else. You know, like you say, no matter what the venue, whether it be uh, hands-on seminars or through uh, stuff you read and websites or what have you, but you have to take that and really dissect it and, and say, hey, that sounds like me, or I can do that, or I like to do that, because everybody's got their own personality. I can't be Kevin Van Dam, although I would like to a lot of times, it seems like. But I can be Davey Hyde, and I've had some success. And, and when when you're doing what you feel comfortable with, and, and, and you've actually gone out there and experienced it, and, and you know that you can, can maybe compete with the best at the level that you're fishing at, no matter what that level is, and gain more and more confidence in, in certain things that really work for you. Well, I can't fish as fast as Kevin, but I feel like I fish a lot faster than, than most guys. But, you know, you have to fish your personality, and you develop that personality, like I said, through life, through through time on the water, and, you know, things, just, just your, you know, Kevin's metabolism is so much higher than most people. And if I try to fish like that, I just I just get all whacked out, and I, I pass over too many fish, and, you know, you might burn out in the first two hours of a 10-hour tournament, that sort of thing. So you just you have to learn your pace and what really suits you. Well, I think that's that's great advice. And, you know, speaking of fishing with the best, certainly you've positioned uh, yourself as one of those top uh, anglers. And, you know, one of the things that I think that has helped you along the way is, is just your, your fishing strength, and, and that is the joy of, of flipping shallow cover and, and kind of power fishing. Can you kind of segue us into now more of the technique-specific of, of why you're so good at that and why you have success at the upper ranks and continue to, you know, to be one of the top contenders. Well, a lot of it is just like I mentioned is the fact that I have an awful lot of confidence when I've got a flipping stick in my hand. If I've got a seven and a half foot all-star rod that says heavy or medium heavy on it rather than light or ultra light, yeah. then I feel more comfortable. And, and I really developed that through growing up and fishing small tournaments. And I'm talking about tournaments with 10 boats. 20 boats, 30 boats, you know, fishing for a first-place prize of 500 bucks. But at that level, and also at, at the level I'm at now, first place is anywhere from twice as much as second to 10 times as much as second. So I fish for first place an awful lot, and I started to do that at a very young age. And and if you look uh, throughout the history of, of tournaments, a jig and your flipping pitching technique is one more money than anything. And I just kind of thought, hey, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to try to win. And that's really how I developed my style of power fishing and fishing shallow cover. I love to do that. I love to fish a jig, or I love to flip soft plastic. The Yamamoto Flapping Hog too. I, I flip it an awful lot now. You know, baits kind of evolve as as we make better and better baits and, and travel around the country and do things. So the baits change, the uh, techniques change just a little bit, but your, your basic patterns of uh, fishing shallow cover heavy line and power fishing, that sort of thing, that's me. You know, I've been fortunate enough to win seven Bassmaster tournaments and the uh, FLW championship, and, and it's because I fish to win. But by the same token, I have some awful bad tournaments sometimes, too. But if you win $5,000 ten times, you still only got $50,000. You know, if I win one tournament, I've got $100,000. So that's really kind of the way I look at it. Exactly. And, you know, I'd like to get some of your feedback on one of the things that you brought up pertaining to, you know, the flipping technique. 
A, is that a, a technique that you feel that, you know, works from north to south, east to west, and then also more of like the bait specific, you know, uh, the Yamamoto uh, bait that you speak of? Is that something that you can take and go, you know, across the country, or do you have to make adjustments both in the technique and in the bait choices? That's probably one reason I like it so much. It works from Florida to Canada, from uh, the east coast to the west coast, that shallow water flipping and fishing technique. And, and the thing that we're limited as fishermen, whether you're a recreational fisherman or a full-time elite pro like myself that only has three practice days, if you're a weekend fisherman, you know, you, you maybe have to work Monday through Friday and you only got every other Saturday morning to be able to go out and fish. So the common denominator that we all have is limited time on the water. So to find deep offshore fish and that sort of thing, it's great, but it, it, it typically takes more time. So if you've only got a Saturday, you know, until lunchtime and then you got to go somewhere with the wife or you got to go watch the kids, uh, baseball game or something like that you've got limited time and you can pattern fish and develop a good solid pattern by visually fishing cover that's shallow and things that you can see and and once you do get that clue like that first bite from a three pounder you can go duplicate it no matter where you are if i'm at a new lake a body of water or a river system that i've never fished before and i i catch a couple of quality fish and it's a certain type of grass or it's a lay down and, and the water has a certain color or that sort of thing then I can immediately go and run a whole area and find every place that looks like that. Where if you're offshore fishing, it might take you half a day to catch one, and then it takes you two days to find another place like it. Now, obviously, we've come a long way with our electronics, our naviotic systems on our, on our uh, GPS, and that sort of thing has helped the offshore game. But still, you, you really just can't beat, for a limited amount of time, fishing that shallow cover. Well, and, and you know, like you said, I mean, with... With so many choices and family commitments, work commitments, things along those lines, bottom line, we want to be able to maximize our time on the water. Taking it as a step further, you know, let's say in, in your instance, you know, you show up at, a, at a, perhaps a, a new body of water, you know you're going to try the, the flipping the shallow cover. What advice can you give our listeners who are into that same uh, situation? Is this something that you're going to do some map study and some preparation in advance of where to start, or do you just put the trolling motor down and go? Well, actually both. Uh, the one thing that I want to try to determine before I get on the water is the seasonal patterns. Are these fish pre-spawn, are they spawning, or are they post-spawn? And sometimes you'll have a combination of the two, you know, any of the two or the three. But if I can basically determine that, it, it tells me, the, the depth range that I probably want to look for. If I think those fish are spawning, yes, I'm going to be on those flatter type banks or, or just big flats themselves. If I think these fish are in, still in a wintertime pre-spawn type mode uh, or it's midsummer, then I might be looking for water that deep water comes real shallow to the cover. Uh, and if I can determine that before I get out on the water, then I feel like I've accomplished an awful lot. The other thing, if I know the, the, the cover that is available on the lake, is there vegetation? Is there wood? Is there, you know, that sort of thing. If there's vegetation present, that's always the first thing I attack because I think it's the best cover, and, and fish like to, to relate to aquatic vegetation better than anything most of the time. So that's the first thing I go look for. If you have a variety of types, then I just rig different baits. I might rig a Senko up without a sinker if I'm fishing sparse or scattered vegetation. I might put a quarter-ounce uh, sinker in front of that same Senko and pitch it if that covers heavier if I'm trying to fish it deeper. So I basically will probably rig up you know, a jig with a, uh, like I said, maybe a flapping hog trailer, a Senko, 
and, and then, you know, a 10-inch worm or something like that, and I go fish those various types of cover. And, you know, I like to move and cover water, but you can do that as you're pitching and flipping because you're not wasting a lot of time of cash. You're keeping your bait right in the target, and I, I stay on a trolling motor and I move rather quickly to try to cover a lot of water to get that first bite. So how do you determine, let's say you move into an area, maybe you went without some bites, you're, you're working your way down the bank. You know, and I think the question that always comes up is, how do you know or, or what process internally do you go through to say, okay, this is a viable area that's going to be holding fish, and what I've seen and, you know, witnessed here, this is an area that definitely I want to come back to. Well, uh, that's probably, and how long do you stay there before you determine yeah, you come yeah, back exactly. or you never come back? And that, that is the number one thing that separates a, a bad tournament fisherman from an average tournament fisherman to a really good tournament fisherman. And a lot of that is gut instinct. But the number one thing, for other than gut instinct, is having a little history of the lake. The, the FLW Championship is this week on my home lake, Lake Murray in South Carolina, or this month, I should say. And it is a great lake certain times of year, but this time of year I know that it's 12 pounds a day. You, you'll do really well. Sure. Uh, back in May when the Bassmaster event was, was on Lake Murray, you need 18 to 20 pounds a day to do well. So you really have to... You have to be more patient at times. And if you don't know a lot about the lake, that's the one thing that I try to find out. When people talk about, do you get local information? Uh, you know, I don't want to know, you know, you guys fish your purple rooster tail here all the time. I need to go buy two dozen of them. I'd like to know, you know, what's the average weight that wins tournaments in the, the time of year that I'm fishing there? And obviously I try to step that up a little bit on a, on a daily basis because I hope that maybe, you know, with the elite pros coming to town, maybe they can, can do a little better. But then sometimes you have to subtract because maybe the pressure of the lake is going to, if you fish it for seven straight days, and that's going to have effect on the body of water also. So essentially so, the information that you're gathering is, is more general, and you're just trying to do kind of your homework about maybe past tournaments, to look at the Internet, uh, talk with some of the yeah. locals, see what's going on. Absolutely. And, and then you get a general feel for, hey, uh, do I need to be more patient if I'm catching two pounders? You know, that might be good in some places. You know, when we fish the... The classic on in in Pittsburgh, you know, you were a hero if you caught a two pounder. But by the same token, you go to some places, you catch two pounders, you better get out of there. Sure. So you have to kind of know the history of the lake and find that out. And I think everyone does that. You know, all of the elite guys do that. If if you don't do that, and you really don't have anything to go on, because we're able to weigh in five bass in our tournament situation. So we look for five quality fish, and quality is relative. You know, it could be two pounds or it could be five pounds. You go to Falcon Lake and catch three pounders, you'll finish very dead last of the season. <laughs> yeah. Most places we go, you catch three pounders, you, you're going to win if you can do it every day. So you have to you have to kind of get a feel for that and, and know that. But by the same token, let's talk about when, I, when I'm not fishing a tournament and I'm taking my 12-year-old son fishing. If we can catch 20 bass at two pounds each, he's going to have fun, I'm going to have fun, it's going to be a great day. I, I've got a tournament mode. And I've got a recreational, let's go have fun, I'm taking my kid fishing mode. And, and, you know, you do different things. And, and people, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, he said he fished for big fish and didn't catch anything. Well, we all fish for big fish. But there's times when you use certain techniques. There again, the flipping and fishing technique with, with jigs, half-ounce jigs, big bulky baits. I'm not going to get as many bites on that bait as I would if I throw a cut-tail worm. Sure.
you've got to decide what you're trying to accomplish. If I take my 12-year-old and I throw a half-ounce big bulky jig and I'm looking for three bites, but they're all going to be six-pounders, two hours into it, he's eating all of his chips, his crackers, and drank four Gatorade. He's ready to go home. <laughs> that's right. No? That's right, and that's great information. And, you know, in our last closing minute, one question that I do want to throw out here because there is no escaping this. We've talked a lot about it here on The Edge, and that is, you know, with you fishing, doing more of the shallow, the flipping technique, you know, a lot of times if you're on a big reservoir you may have to run way up into the upper arms of the tributary we're faced with gas prices uh that are you know hitting record levels right now does that impact you know your decision of what you are going to be doing as an angler not for me because when you pay a five thousand dollar entry fee you can't worry about four dollar gallon gas but as recreation anglers or if I, like i mentioned earlier if i'm taking my 12 year old son i might drive up to that end and put in and not run it by water to try to save because my truck gets better gas mileage than my engine, although my Evan Rude gets really good compared to other outboards. Sure. You know, your, your truck's getting 20 and no outboards get 20. So I, I try to do that. So there again, it really just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you can uh, not burn as much gas and go two days a week rather than one, like I mentioned, I think more time on the water is better. That's probably what you should do. But as a tournament angler, when my livelihood is going and trying to catch as many fish, as many quality fish as I can, I never let that enter my mind. Well, I think it's all great advice, and unfortunately, as we mentioned earlier, it's unbelievable how quickly time does pass because that just uh, flew by. But, Davey, I just want to thank you again so much for being part of the Edge. Wish you the best of luck uh, in the upcoming 2009 Classic that will take place uh, the first part of next year. And, uh, again, thanks for the great information. You bet. Thank you, and maybe we can do it again one day. Absolutely. Our angler spotlight you just heard was Mr. Dave Height, Davy Height rather, a BASS elite angler for over 15 years, and you know he's won some money. Yeah, about 1.6, 1.6 million that is, uh, just uh, pocket change I'm sure in your opinion. Yeah, that's why I go to In and Out Burger, man. Yeah, that's probably just your tax bill for the month, isn't it? <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know what? I really have a lot of symmetry with this guy because he broke away and he wanted to follow his dream from his main job, and it took me a long time to get my own radio programs and my own TV show, and it, I knew that I wanted to hunt for a living. And, you know, there's there's proof out there, folks, if you've got the passion and you've got the staying power, you can make your dreams come true. No question. And, you know, I, I think his position that he mentioned was uh, the National Guard. And, you know, after putting in some time on that, you know, a lot of them looked at him like he was crazy. But he said, you know what, now's the time to do it. And uh, he went after it and did exactly like what you would refer to, followed his dream and, I mean, he's, he's never looked back. So. Yeah. You know, and a lot, you know what, really, he, he said something that really stuck with me on that interview, that the pros and the rec anglers, like I consider myself a recreational angler, a lot of the pros and, and people like me have a lot in common. They both love to get out there and fish and figure out the water. You're right. I'm Actually, I'm glad you brought that point up because when he said that, I'm like, you know, here's somebody who does not take his position for granted. He understands that because he was one of the recreational anglers that, you know, basically decided to step out like we talked about and follow his dream. But having that limited time, and in the example that he used was, you know, a recreational angler may only have uh, the weekend or may only have a day off uh, before they have to get on to their kids' basketball or baseball game or something like that. So they only have a few hours. The pros, similarly only have two and a half days to figure out a new body of water prior to the tournament starting. So time is of the essence. So I thought his analogy and his explanation of how that uh, to try and put you on fish, put you in high percentage areas, 
that that's you know what they share in common. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, look at all the guys just in our neck of the woods from the Central Program and the Heartland Tours. They go do their 40, 50 hour jobs a week, and they just so want to get out there on that water. And you know, you get out there Friday night, fish Saturday, and you fish half a day Sunday, and it's time to go home. Yep, and back that's to their the 40, job. 50 hour a week job. Exactly. So that you can go out and then do it again. Yeah. And you know, one of his other comments that I thought really went a long ways was how he referenced you know the whole personality situation. You've heard us talk about a lot through you know Jay McNamara and things like that about fishing your personality fishing the moment and when he used the uh, I guess comparison he's like you know I, I he really uh, has a close relationship with Kevin Van Dam. I think both of them uh, travel together, do a little bit of that, and actually hang out. But he said he can never be or never fish like Kevin Van Dam because his metabolism is so high, and what he found when he tried to speed up and kind of adopt some of his principles, he actually was missing more fish. So I thought by him going into that and that explanation, that, that really kind of clicked the light bulb off in me, and I, I just got a lot out of that. Yeah, it was a great interview. You ready to go to the inside edge? Let's do it. All right, folks, we're going to have that for you when we come back right here on the edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are back on The Edge, and joining us today is a really just a reckoning force in the outdoors in the broadcasting arena, award-winning Kansas-based writer, photographer, broadcaster, more than 45 years of hunting and fishing experience, and also four years as a bass tournament angler, and that is Mr. Jim Ferguson, host of the Great American Outdoor Trails Radio Magazine. Jim, thanks so much for being part of The Edge. Hey, Aaron, it's great to be on The Edge. You know, I, it's, it's unusual for me being interviewed. I was going to say, you know, you're probably not used to sitting on this side of the interview. You know, it, it, I think we maybe have our polarity crossed here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'll probably get into that interviewer mode for a while. <laughs> well, I'll be asking you, know, you questions. Exactly. We'll be stumbling over one another here for the, about the next seven minutes. But, hey, we'll get through it. And it truly is a pleasure to have you on here. And one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure that you were a guest here on The Edge, Jim, is because your show, obviously, it goes without saying. I mean, I think you're on, what, uh, something like 64 stations and 4 million listeners across the country? Yeah, yeah, 64 stations, basically from Moab, Utah, to uh, Evansville, Indiana. And then we have 750 websites to carry my show as well, and then I do a podcast for the North American Hunting Club, North American Fishing Club, and if these guys that are listening are members of those, go to their website, you can get us, plus Family Fishing Game Magazine, we do a podcast for them, and then Brooke Insurance, they're our title sponsor for our show. And they have 900 offices from coast to coast. So we uh, we pump it out to them every week. I was going to say, you could probably get this in Pakistan if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, I did a live show for uh, Gander Mountain down in Lubbock when they did their uh, store opening last September. We had 123,000 people listening online, and we got emails, questions for Craig Boddington, who was my guest, from, get this, right in Baghdad. Wow. Also in Afghanistan couple from Germany, but uh, there was about, I think, 11 countries and about 46 or 47, no, 36 or 37 states. Well, and I think that, you know, that's got to make you feel good. And that has to be just a testament of, of one of the reasons why I wanted you on here is because your show is really everything outdoors. And, you know, here on Bass Edge and the Edge, you know, we focus, tend to focus a little more vertically on the, on the bass fishing. But most outdoorsmen and most anglers just enjoy the experience of being in the outdoors. Yeah. Well, you know, Kevin Van Dam. 
he is the, probably the best bass fisherman right now in the country, except for Aaron Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I won't even yet, put Yeah, in his off-season, what does he do? He loves to turkey hunt and deer hunt, and he likes to camp with his kids. Yeah. And so, you know, we have a cross-generational uh, but a cross-interest uh, in the outdoors where you like to do a little bit of everything. You may specialize in one thing. Maybe some guys in the southeastern may like to turkey hunt a little bit more. The guys in the north like to deer hunt. But, you know, you can get out there and you fish. You can camp. And there's so many things you can do as a family out there, you know, where, as you know, fishing, even though uh, you know, we may be in the boat, man, I'm, I'm against you. <laughs> and I'm against everybody else. If I'm hunting, I'm going over that hill in one direction. You're going over the hill in another direction. And we meet back at camp. But in the other activities in the outdoors, we can do it as a family. You know, speaking of other activities, how in the world, as a person who is very, very passionate about all walks and activities that are available to the outdoors, how in the world do you manage your time and prioritize, okay, today I want to go turkey hunting or I want to go bass fishing. I know some of that is dictated by seasons, but how in the world do you choose? Well, <laughs> it's by who invites me. <laughs> if somebody says, hey, I'd like you to come down to Lake of the Ozarks and fish, then I, I look at my calendar because I do 30 personal appearances a year and i got to make sure that there's a, an opening there. If there is, then I try to do it. And, and, and I've had the average Joe invite me, and I go, I have one guy call me on a Saturday afternoon. He says, hey, i got this hunting lodge. I'd like you to come over for dinner tonight. Well, it's only about a 60-mile drive. And I thought, I'm going to surprise this guy, and I'm actually going to go. Sure. And I did, and I had a great time. And it was fun, and I, I guess I just enjoy people. And so I don't care where they are. He had hunters there from Colorado and Arkansas and Texas and so forth. And we just sat around the dinner table just really enjoying each other's companies because everybody has a story, and they want to tell it. And you know what? I want to hear it. Well, and to me, that's really what the experience of the outdoors is. It's just getting to share that experience with other individuals. Oh, yeah, yeah. All of my uh, the guys that I have on the show, and we have about 200 uh, correspondents from coast to coast that so we can get the northwestern part of the country or the southeastern, the northern part. It doesn't make any difference. We try to get those people in a given month on the show to talk about those various regions, and they all can tell great stories. Sure. And so that's what it's all about, and that's what endears us, I think, to our audience, is because we hit them where they live. And I have my program directors and, and uh, station managers looking for stories, because if I hear of a kid's caught a big fish or shot his first turkey or a big buck or whatever, man, I'm going to get that guy in the air, because you know what? That's going to encourage him to continue and be good at his craft. Well, and that really places the listeners at a competitive advantage, because you're kind of getting the best of the best and also making it relative to the geographic location in which you know they're located. Yeah. I remember I had a kid by the name of Austin Plumisto, shot his first turkey. He was 11 years old just as proud as punch over this thing. And uh, he giggled almost all the way through the whole interview. And it was such a great, and I know, I mean, I, I'm a father, grandfather, and man, I just love to hear these kids laugh. And uh, when they can see that and you know that they've enjoyed themselves, uh, I tell you what, it, it's just good for my heart to be able to hear that in a kid's voice. And to share in that, you, you cannot replace that until you actually experience it. You know, we can talk about it, we can describe it, but words do not do that justice until you're actually the one that's on the receiving end. That's right, and that's where mentoring comes in. Sure. Because when you're, say, like myself, now I'm, I'm a grandfather, and so when I go out, I try to make sure that I take some kid with me because I want to pass on the things that I have, and it may not be my grandson or may not be my kid, and my youngest kid is 25 now. It may be a neighbor kid, and I want to take those people out and have them enjoy the outdoors like I do, and you can get that by teaching them how to cook in a Dutch oven, teaching them how the right way to pitch a tent and how to make sure that the, the water runs off if it rains, how to set up a camp to keep it dry. I mean, there's a lot of things that people don't know that we've lost that, uh, that sense. We go to KOAs, and there's nothing wrong with KOAs, 
but we go to these camps, and we, you know, there's so many things that you can learn from just a you know, wilderness experience. And so we try to bring those elements into my radio show and into my podcast and, and let people know how they can do it, where they can do it, and how much fun they can have while doing it. That is such a great point. It's, it's that whole experience versus getting away from the campground to where you can plug in the satellite TV and Internet and Wi-Fi. You know, that truly, to me, the experience of being in the outdoors is, is getting off the beaten path a little bit. And in our last closing minutes, I want to redirect to make sure, because one of the things that you and I have talked about before is you look at fishing kind of like you do hunting, and, and you really try and seek out, I guess, the fish. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, 10% of the lake holds 90% of the fish. And so what I like to do is, I mean, I like to catch fish, and I don't care what size, but I really like to catch the bigger ones. And so what I do is I try to zone that water to, to uh, locate those bigger fish. And if I find, as we talked about in bass fishing, we find a pattern here, we can take that information all over the lake and catch those bigger fish. If I took you on a river, and I'm, I love to trout fish, I can take you on a mile of river, and I don't care what river it is in Colorado or, or the White River in Arkansas or wherever where they have a good supply of trout, and I can take you in one mile, and I can show you the anomalies in that river and where the bigger fish are and prove it to you by catching them. And you take that information, you can go anywhere in the world and catch trout. Well, and, and I think that goes a long ways because it's not so much about fishing a spot or, or fishing a, a certain area, but rather you want something that you can take and be able to duplicate that. And Jim, unfortunately, we have reached the limit here on our uh, interview, but thank you so much for being part of the Edge. Uh, quickly, where can our listeners get in touch with you and find out more information about the Great American Outdoor Trails Radio? Okay, you can go to my website. It's www.outdoortrailsnetwork.com. Or you can send us an email, and we'll put you on our newsletter list, and that would be radio at outdoortrailsnetwork.com. Well, there you have it, and there you are. Make sure to find out more information concerning Great American Outdoor Trails Radio Magazine. Go to radio at outdoortrailsnetwork.com. Jim, once again, thank you so much, my friend, and we look forward to talking with you again in the near future. I really appreciate the opportunity, Aaron. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. Hi, welcome back to The Edge Outdoors. Dan, Aaron, Martin, and thanks to Mr. Ferguson for an insightful inside edge there, Aaron. And you know what? We got a long listener question, and we better just might as well get into this because this is a, a very lengthy but informative answer. And this is from Corey in Clinton, Mississippi. Can you spell Mississippi? E-M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. I'm proud of you. <laughs> All right. Corey wants to know, when worm fishing Texas rigs, I have lost some bass recently, but I was not getting a good hook set. Most of the fish lost would hit the worm and swim towards the boat. What are the steps or techniques that ensure a good hook set once you feel the bass take the bait? And I believe Mr. Uh, James Niggermeyer, our good friend, answered this. Yep. James uh, throws out his answer and uh, very good. First of all, we as anglers tend to overcomplicate our fishing. Therefore, uh, James' approach to bass fishing is to keep it simple. Off to a good start already. First, which is really two parts, when you feel like you've had a strike with a soft plastic bait, you want to take up the slack and weigh, quotations, the line. Practically what I mean by that is 
turn the handle of the reel until the line is fairly tight and lift up the rod tip to feel if the bait is heavier or lighter than it should be. For instance, a quarter ounce bait will always feel like a quarter ounce, no lighter like an eighth ounce, and no heavier like a half ounce. That will signify the fish has taken the bait. Second, set the hook by generating good rod speed. It does not have to be an aggressively hard, but fast is good. Lastly, maybe the most overlooked and probably one of the most important is applying sufficient amount of pressure to the fish after the actual swing or set. I heard it said that the hook set begins the point's penetration, and the pressure applied after is what buries the barb. I happen to agree with this school of thought, so after the hook set, apply pressure by reeling quickly. Apply as much pressure as you can with the tackle you're using so as not to horse the fish. But if the fish is coming to you, keep reeling, and if the fish is going away, keep pressure by keeping a tight line. One last note, when worm fishing, try to fish with a medium or medium heavy rod, that is, because it helps move the hook through the plastic worm and are, actually, are usually rather more sensitive for feeling bottom composition. Hope this helps you as much as what it helps me. Sincerely, James Nigemeyer. No, that was a great answer. That is you know, great answer. I love. I use a medium uh, heavy on both my bait casting and spinning reels, mm -hmm. and uh, for both of my setups. And you know, he's right. When especially like I can tell you, when I was using those three quarter ounce ball jugs, right, uh, with leeches for walleye, uh, I was twenty twenty five feet down in these mud flaps, and you know, you could just feel that the consistent weight of that ball jig with that leech on there. Well, and like, then all of a sudden, you would just feel a little pressure and a little. Tink, 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 tink. You're on your on. You could feel it, and you knew you had a fish just raised up and set the hook. And he's right. Well, it comes down to you know we talk a lot about you know, terminal tackle, and we kind of match that up over the technique that we're talking about or usually referring to. And and what we know is that if you go too far to one end of the spectrum or the other, you know there's advantages and disadvantages. If you go let's say up to a, a heavy rod. Uh, one of the things that you're going to do is, is you're going to get away with being able to bring the fish, you know, out of the vegetation, things like that. But you perhaps might give up some sensitivity. If you go too light, you're going to lose that backbone, but you gain some sensitivity. So I think his explanation and what you just described there is all the more reason why you really want to stay into that medium, medium heavy, uh, especially when, uh, you know, fishing a worm. Yeah, and if you're using a creature bait or a Texas rig, you're going to feel that fish. I mean, just by just simply when you uh, rotate that handle, and it, you take the slack out of that line, you're going to feel pressure on there if it's if a fish is on. There. Right, and you know, in Corey's instance, um, it sounds like the the majority of his fish. Obviously, he has not only the bait but also the color dialed in. Mm -hmm. um, because if they're picking that up and they're swimming right towards him, there is no question that fish, you know, wants that bait. Yeah. And uh, that's, again, another example of why it is so critical uh, to make sure you're not only depending upon your feel and the sensitivity, but also watching that line. Yeah, it sounds to me like he's just not feeling that initial hit. Yeah. Hopefully that'll help him uh, put more fish in the boat, but I, I definitely thought that James's explanation uh, was good. Yeah, great question and a great answer. Great team effort from Corey and James. Thanks for that. Yep. Hey, have you uh, checked out the latest uh, e-newsletter, Aaron, Mr. Aaron Martin? Uh, of course I have. Yep. Yeah, I like the, uh, what was your favorite article this month? Oh, that would be mine. No. <laughs> it was, uh, no, it, actually, I like uh, Steve Brigman just cracks me up. I mean, you know, his the way he writes in that kind of the, uh, that comedy and, you know, how he likes to uh, tell some, some of his funny stories. I mean, the dude's been all over. But, uh, you know, I, I would definitely say that's one of my favorite sections. But also, well, you know, the video tips, are that, they run a close second. All right. Well, folks, you can get that absolutely free. Just go to BassEdge.com. And while you're there, make sure you look at that latest Bass Edge merchandise and, 
You know, I hate to say this, but it's true. Christmas isn't that far away, and if, what a great time to order one of those electronic DVDs because I, I don't know of anybody that does fish would not appreciate that. Well, and, and you know, not only is it used for bass, but, uh, you know, it's used for brim, catfish, crappie. Um, and multi-species. It, and multi-species, exactly. Yeah. I know you use it for walleye. So I use it for walleye and everything else that swims except snakeheads. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like snakeheads. Yeah, that. Me neither. Yeah, me and you both. Hey, also, don't forget, uh, if you want to send in for a uh, prize, we'd love to give you one. I know that Aaron and I don't get anything, no. so you might, might as well. Just include your shipping information in there. We need your name, address, and phone number. It's not going to go out anywhere. It's all staying internally at Bass Edge. We just need that to get the stuff to you. And just go to the Ask the Pro section, and uh, that'll be all self-explanatory. Is that correct, Mr. Martin? That is. Well, actually, for the prize, uh, they can go into, that's a separate sign-up, uh, the weekly, uh, or I'm sorry, the the twice-a-month prize giveaway, there's a section on that. The Ask the Pros is actually for, the, for the questions. Yeah, all right. Okay. Just like gotcha. Corey submitted. But uh, all great stuff. Great podcast. And if you don't mind, uh, you know, I am in California. I'm going to hit the water. Can't you just be nice to it? <laughs> you don't have to be abusive, do you? All right. Well, uh, I, I hope just stay away from the jellyfish. Aaron. Just stay. Uh, trust me. I'm not, I'm not dangling my legs over in the water out there. So uh, you might have a big old, you know, 15-pound bass come up and suck on my toe or something. Well, there you go. All right, well, get out there and go fishing. And, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week. And I think next week we're going to have a great Inside Edge segment with uh, somebody from Eagle Rods, aren't we? Yeah, Drew Patterson of American Eagle Rods. And he'll actually be able to elaborate a little bit more on uh, talking about what rods you need for what situation. But uh, look forward to that. All right, folks, that'll be all right here for you. For Aaron Martin, this is Outdoors Dan. We'll see you next time right here on The Edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, V&W Trailer Hitches, MegaWare Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstart Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.